Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It is Tuesday. March 16th, with the sun uh, approaching galactic degree in Pisces, and I am your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our guest this evening is Christy Borscht, who is an integrative quantum healer and spiritual guide born in alignment with Galactic Center. She offers healing and empowerment, utilizing her unique healing resonance and what Lavendar calls her universal library card. Like many, Christy was told to shut down her abilities as a small child. Now, nearly 50 years later, a dramatic encounter with an American bald eagle and what she feels were activations coinciding with the 2012 Mayan calendar cessation allowed Christy to release obsolete programming and claim her path. Excuse me. You can uh, join us as Christy shares ancient wisdom and insights facilitating our seeing being beyond space and time. And how can our challenges become opportunities given a multidimensional perspective? How can karmic release, ancestral healing, and clearing and balancing the non-physical aspects of self heal our bodies? How can we heal our present and step more fully into our mission by stepping backward? Hers is a message of trusting your path and timeline while opening to higher guidance and self-mastery. You can visit her website, which is healingresonance4.me, to schedule a one-on-one, experience an on-demand chakra clearing activation, or you can listen to her podcast, which we will be talking about a little bit later on. And you can also see her fractal artwork or read her empowerment blogs. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And we would like to thank Kathy and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment. We do have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds thanks to Tammy's continual dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page and you'll get our bi-weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. Stage 1 starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom... Excuse me... Uh, Pollen, yes. Uh, the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, Emerald, Miara, and Riley or myself. Lavendar sessions have been redesigned to focus on your solar return, covering your natural state, your rites of passage, your masterships, as well as covering your solar return and your current transits. So you're getting everything in a one-hour session, which will be scheduled just before your birthday. Riley, Emerald, and Miara are now available for the live Stage 2 sessions, so you'll be able to have a Starseed consultation in a matter of weeks rather than months now. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you'll get a window of 10 hours of power 
you can find out exactly when that happens by just requesting your solar return timing. And that usually takes less than a week. Um, but if you want the stage two interpretation of your solar return chart, Emerald, Riley, and Miara are also available with very little waiting. But with me, you'll need to order about six months ahead to make sure you get this before your 10 hours happens. And with Lavendar, she'll, she'll be booking for all birthday months. So be sure to check out the new pages on our website. took a lot of time to get it, but it's done now. So um, first up this evening, I'm going to look for Anastasia on the switchboard first. And she'll be doing the Starseed News. Well, good evening, Ariel. Can you hear me? I sure can. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, great. Great to be with you tonight. We've got lots of good news, and I'll get started. Um, I want to start with some news out of Utah, which I think is amazing. Um, these are things that people do uh, all over the country. I was thinking about this before the news, how if I search mainstream news, I don't find anything good. I don't find particularly um, stories that show that government or society or very much of the collective is engaged in things that bring about good news. It's mostly about struggle and difficulty and problems and all of the things that beset society. But when I uncover news that's good news, I discover that this is people working independently, good choices, good decisions, caring and thoughtful action taken by individuals. So that's what we're going to focus on this evening. And I'll start out with a story, as I said, about an elk habitat in Utah and a personal landowner, private landowner, uh, together with conservation groups, have um, engaged in a special easement for land in north-central Utah of 5,000 acres, which has been designated now as forever protected um, for elk and for other wildlife, um, giving these animals a chance to breed and to live and to range. It's beautiful land. It's in the Spanish, Spanish Fork region of the Wasatch Mountain Range. It's going to provide spring, summer, and winter range for elk and is a crucial calving area for that animal. It's also an important migration corridor for elk and mule deer alike. 5,000 acres of this prime forested land is worth a lot of money, but instead of cashing in on that, the landowner dedicated this as conservation property for the wildlife. It's an amazing piece of property, and it's an amazing service, and it's wonderful for Mother Earth and all of her creatures that live in that area. It's a beautiful story. It's beautiful land. And in uh -huh. Miami, Miami, this is a story. Ay, ay, ay. There's a part-time janitor. She works in Miami, and she has cooked 1,000 meals a week for the hungry since the pandemic began a year ago. Now, this is a 60-year-old widow who works part-time as a janitor at a technical school. And to get to work, she walks or she takes a bus. But the work of her heart is feeding the hungry. And every Tuesday and Friday, excuse me, Thursday and Friday, she borrows her church's truck to go buy groceries. And a Haiti Catholic church pays for the food. It relies on donations. And then the woman prepares the meal single-handedly while church volunteers serve or deliver them to people in need. She said, Americans, Spanish, Haitian, they come here. Even when I'm closing, they say, please, can I have some? And I give it to them, because if they go home and have nothing, it hurts my feelings. Now, despite her limited salary, she also feeds people back home in her little village north of Port-au-Prince in Haiti. 
She sends food pallets to her sisters to her every month, to her nieces, her nephews, and her neighbors. It said, the pastor of the church said, she takes care of everybody from A to Z. She's a true servant. She goes beyond the scope of work to be a presence of hope and compassion for others. And until recently, she's done it all without a car. But last week, she was surprised with the new Toyota that was provided to her by community leaders. Now, with her janitorial job and all her work at the church, people often ask her if she's exhausted. But this is what she says. She says, she is fueled by energy that comes from service to others. She says, I can keep all my money for myself and never give anyone a penny. But if you give from your heart and never think about yourself, you will be provided for every day. The refrigerator will never be without food. Wow. Wow. What a great philosophy. Isn't that something? I mean, goodness, gosh, you guys. Well, and here's a government that's doing something nice in Canada. Canada Post is giving away free prepaid postcards to every Canadian household to help citizens stay connected during the COVID-19 pandemic. Canada Post says they will deliver approximately 13.5 million postcards, one to every residential address in the country. Then recipients can send their postcard postage-free to anyone they want anywhere in Canada. costs them absolutely nothing. Uh, The president of Canada Post said, meaningful connection is vital for our emotional health, our sense of community, and overall well-being. Canada Post wants everyone to stay safe, but also to stay in touch and uh, with the people who matter to them. Now, the Postal Service in Ireland has also helped their citizens stay connected with free postcards during these times. And in January, they delivered prepaid postcards to homes, homeless uh, uh, hubs, nursing care homes, and prisons all across the country. So, wow. I mean, talk about putting some humanity into your work, into your agency. Uh, If they can do it, Every American agency could do it. Find a way, guys. And here's another one. This is this is not just about an individual. This is also about a company doing a good deed. There is a boy who has autism who will only eat one brand of discontinued waffles. Uh, <laughs> waffles. Who doesn't like waffles? Now, I know some of you uh, might be averse to gluten, or maybe you're not too much into sugar, but i tell you something. One time I had a waffle iron. You know, I had to sell it because I ate so many waffles, I got fat. <laughs> I, cannot, I, I cannot be trusted with waffles anywhere near myself. Now, I digress. Let's get back to the story. But this little boy loves waffles, and he is nine years old. His name is Jericho, and he has autism. And also with that autism, he has what's called an extreme oral aversion, and he will eat virtually nothing Nothing but a particular type of a maple cinnamon waffle. Specifically, Nature's Path organic maple cinnamon waffles. Now, his mother says her son puts down two boxes of the waffles a day. Now, this is all the boy will eat. And she says, I have always had to be very careful, even before COVID, with any sicknesses as Jericho stops eating and drinking if he gets sick at all. In February... Last year, he became very sick, where he actually stopped eating for 12 days and stopped drinking for five days. It was so traumatic. She said, I am a single mom of three boys, and two of those boys have autism. 
when I was able to get him to start eating again, he had regressed so much that he had to relearn how to eat and drink. It was very hard, but he accepted a different kind of cinnamon waffles. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, those waffles became discontinued, and we had to hunt for remaining stock. As we tried to find the last boxes of waffles, I was also trying, trying, trying to sneak new kinds in, hoping he would accept them. Well, two weeks went by trying every kind when he finally accepted this particular brand, Nature's Path Maple Cinnamon Waffles. She said she was so relieved. And so she went around, she scrounged around, and she tried to find all the waffles she could find of this brand. She shopped everywhere. Well, then it happened. She learned that Nature's Path had discontinued their maple cinnamon waffles. Just at one flavor, they were still making seven other flavors. She said, I've tried to see if there was anything comparable he would eat, but there was nothing and nothing he will accept. Well, guess what happened? The company happened. They helped out. They sent, they sent her what little stock they had left, and then they stepped it up. They assured that this boy will have all the maple waffles he can eat for years to come. Because oh. what they did was they adapted their recipe, which is usually made in these massive batches. They adapted it for home use. And on Friday, they delivered the recipe along with the necessary ingredients to the family. Now, the good news is slowly stinking, uh, sinking in. The mother said, I'm just speechless. This is exactly what I needed. Oh. So here's a company that gave the ingredients and their recipe to a family who has a small boy who would eat nothing but this or starve to death. Wow. wow. And a story out of Pennsylvania about a UPS driver. You know, during the pandemic, many of us have ordered our supplies and the drivers, we've watched them work very, very hard. And a UPS driver in Pennsylvania was actually moved to tears after an entire town banded together to thank him in a very special way. This man's name is Chad. He delivers for UPS in the small town of Dauphin, Pennsylvania. And last week, he drove into a parking lot for what he thought was a pickup, but he was greeted by dozens of residents clapping their hands. Waiting for him on a table was a large, huge greeting card signed by the community and a $1,000 tip. And he was so overcome with emotion that he started to cry. He said, well, thank you. Oh, oh my God, he said, as he read through a giant card. I don't know what to say. Now, now you got me choked up. Huh. Well, a town resident organized a special event after the people commented in a group on Facebook about what kind of a wonderful delivery driver he was, he was and what a good job he was doing. And she raised the money for him in two weeks. People said about him, he goes out of his way to make us feel taken care of. He's been working 140 hours every couple of weeks. He never has a sour face. He truly cares about others. And he also gives treats to all the dogs on his route. <laughs> One man said, I'm still overwhelmed, and it's touching that this community feels so strongly about me. Wow. Give and give back. And a woman in Jackson County, West Virginia, has made a big difference during the pandemic by starting a food pantry in her own basement. She began by taking money out of her own paychecks for those in need. Some weeks she started with $200, some weeks 100 When she was laid off in June, she continued her pantry work, going along with the money that she had saved. 
She said she strives to find ways to get back to the community after others helped her when she lost everything in a flash flood in 1995. She said, I know what it's like to get up one day and have everything gone. They helped me, and I'm in a position now I'm going to help others. She helps anyone, no matter the circumstances. She even goes the extra mile and drops the boxes of food off herself. She said, we don't tell people no. We just say, how can we help? What do you need? And for these reasons, this woman has been nominated for a local hometown hero award by her community. Oh. And some sailors did a good deed for four stranded cats. Cats on a sinking ship. This happened in Thailand. Thai Navy sailors rescued four cats stranded on a sinking ship that had caught fire near the island of Koh Andong. The Navy was sent to check on the vessel for an oil spill after rescuing all eight members of the crew, but that's when they discovered that cats had been forgotten. The officer said, I used my camera to zoom in to the boat, and I saw one or two cats popping their heads out. This 23-year-old man swam out to the capsized boat on which four cats were huddled together clinging to a crane. He brought the cats to his boat on his shoulder. Four wet cats on your bare shoulders? Yes, indeed. His team pulled him up by rope. There's pictures of this on the Internet. Soaked cats clinging to the back of this male swimmer trying to survive. He said, I immediately took off my shirt. I put on a life jacket so I could jump into the sea. The flames were at the back of the boat, and it was starting to sink, so I knew I had to be quick. I'm so relieved that we were able to save the kittens. They would have drowned or died of thirst if they went into the sea. Well, the cats are now being cared for by their rescuers and their command post on the island of Coakleep. And there's pictures of the cats <laughs> and Aww. the the, uh, the Navy sailors taking care of the cats, feeding them bowls of milk. Isn't that something? Wow. All right. Well, anybody that's ever been around kids, um, speaking of UPS and deliveries and boxes, oh, my gosh, we're covered up with bubble wrap. You know, I'm always cussing plastic. I really wish they wouldn't do it. Let's use paper. But anyway, there's a very interesting story about bubble wrap I want to share with you. Um, and there is a twist at the end of the story, which you'll understand maybe why why I'm bringing this up. Um, a man is creating masterpieces using bubble wrap. And how does he do that? He injects paint into each bubble. Well, look, kids like to pop bubble wrap. You can just, it drives you crazy. You put put that out and kids, you hear pop, 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 and they go on and on until every bubble's flat. But um, one New York-based painter has decided that he wants to make art with it. Now, there are many famous schools of art. You know, there's the Impressionists and the Surrealists and the Cubists, just all kinds. But they say that his artwork mostly uh, resembles the Pointillists, but he has actually copied or recreated a famous painting by George Seurat called A Sunday on the Grande Jot using this technique. And he's now calling himself an injectionist. He says, I load thousands of syringes with paint in preparation to begin the injection. I've done portraits of Marilyn Monroe, Michael Jackson, David Bowie, John Lennon. Oh, here's what you didn't know about bubble wrap and what I didn't know about it. Probably you don't know it. It was invented in 1957, and bubble wrap was originally intended to be marketed as textured wallpaper. What turned out to be a hard fail from the decorator point of view, I can imagine, turned out to be a boon to the shipping industry and to this artist. 
He said, reaching, uh, researching the history of bubble wrap and realizing that it was meant to be wallpaper brought me around to this great idea. What is a painting? Short of the cultural significance and historical value it may obtain over, over time, it's ostensibly a, a wall covering. So to date, he has completed just over 100 injection paintings. The painstaking process involves filling row after row of tiny bubble wrap cells with different hues of acrylic paint to create an image. Talk about tedious. He estimates it takes four or five days to reload and preload the 1,800 to 2,500 syringes his paintings require from a palette containing 116 colors. Each project produces two separate paintings. There's a pixelated picture in front, and an impressionist image rendered by the drippings from the back. And it takes up to a month to complete. Now, um, <laughs> he, uh, it says here that in 2003, when he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at the age of 31, his future seemed less than a pretty picture. He thought his life was over. And coincidentally, part of his treatment involved self-injections. Initially, he balked at the idea of sticking himself with needles, but he credits this artistic muse with eventually showing him the irony of his reluctance. He said, oh my gosh, how perverse is this? You wouldn't inject yourself for a decade, but you're sitting here with thousands of syringes in front of you injecting paint into bubble wrap and creating really remarkable pictures. So talk about turning an illness into an asset. There it is. Somebody who pushed through, got an inspiration, and is doing something very interesting and noteworthy. Well, 10 years after the Fukushima nuclear disaster, do you know that there are two men still living there who's taking care of everybody's pets? When clouds of radiation began streaming into the air around the Fukushima nuclear plant, 160,000 people were told to cut and run. However, only 159,998 residents did that. The other two, a man named Matsumura and Kato, two different men, remained behind. Evidently, the city possessed not one, but two men whose love of animals cracked through their innate sense of self-preservation, men who would give up everything rather than consigning other beings to starvation. Living within the 12-and-a-half-mile exclusion zone around the damaged reactor, the two men, unrelated to one another, both live alone while taking care of dozens of stray animals that were left behind when the evacuation order was given. Reports from Reuters state that a 57-year-old man named Cato has 41 cats who live with him in his home in the mountains, along with a stray dog he adopted named Pochi. Cato says he will only stay with his cats and ensure they are comfortable through all of their lives. Cato's generosity isn't restricted to his own animals, and he's taken to feeding local wild boars, considered pests by the government. Now, as for the other man, Matsumura, he left the city at first but returned shortly after to get his own animals. Once he returned, the now 55-year-old man realized that everyone else's pets and livestock were still there. So he began taking care of a horde of animals, including pigs, cats, dogs, ponies, ostriches, and cows. 
Now, when he first evacuated, some of his family outside the exclusion zone told him he couldn't stay with them due to the risk of contamination. The refugee camps outside the area were filling up fast, and Matsumura felt everything was too much of a hassle. So he went back inside the exclusion zone and realized local pets had not eaten in several days, and it became clear no one was coming back to the neighborhood. So he went around unchaining dogs from trees, letting cows out of their barns, and feeding anything that needed needed it, earning him the moniker, the guardian of Fukushima's animals. Now, according to scientists from JAXA, the Japanese National Space Agency, Matsumura is also the champion, the most irradiated man in Japan. Despite this, they've advised him it will likely be 30 to 40 years before the radiation begins to wreak his biology, a timeline which will see him likely dead by then. Until that day, he funds the feeding of the animals through local donations and keeps people up to date with news on his blog posted using solar power, though he lives without steady electricity or running water. Everything both Cato and Matsumura are doing is technically illegal, and police have ordered them both to leave the area. Yet they seemingly couldn't be less bothered by the government's demands and both plan to stay there with their animals, come what may. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to leave you with this quote. People of character do the right thing even if no one else does. Not because they think it will change the world, but because they refuse to be changed by the world. Absolutely. Wow. Good one. The way I look at it, yes. People who do so much in the way of service, giving of their hearts, their hands, their finances, their efforts, their lives, for and on behalf of others, are not living like the world. The world today is all about the self, all about the me, all about what I want, need, and desire. And we have people who don't put themselves first and who do reach out and use their lives and their energy and their hearts to make the world a better place because it won't get better on its own. It only gets better because we make it better. So from my heart to each one of you, much love. Have a beautiful couple of weeks, everybody, and we'll catch you again next broadcast. Thank you so much, Ariel. It's going to be a very good show tonight. It sure is. And and I just I love those stories. You know, individuals are will Amazing. do more probably to change the world than organizations because when Absolutely. you're just a single person you make your own choice. You know, the organization it takes them so long to do anything. Absolutely. You know, when we think that that organizations are made up of individuals, and if enough individuals change and transform in the way the people that we've talked about tonight have done, then eventually organizations will change. Society will change. But it certainly starts with each one of us acting upon the impulses of our hearts. You're absolutely right. The the only way the world is going to change is if you and I do it. And that's what we're doing, isn't it, Ariel? That's what we're doing. It sure is, one by one. One by one. Sharing the love. So, yeah. It's the love Well, thing. thanks so much, Anastasia, for bringing us some good news among all the bad stuff that's being uh, publicized. There is good things happening. We just have it's to... It's absolutely a pleasure. Just have Don't to you dig feel for love it a little for all bit. the people that, that we learn about tonight? I mean, I just want to wrap them all and hug them and just 
just opens, you know, when we hear about things like this, it opens our own hearts, and we're able to feel love and share love more. It's infectious. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. So, yeah, it is. It's wonderful. I'm ready to go. I'm going to go find somebody to cook for. <laughs> but, I, but I won't be getting a waffle iron, I'll tell you that. They're banned from my household forever. Okay, good night, everybody. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, Anastasia. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, I am going to uh, get Lavendar's mic open and our guest, Christy. Get your mic open. Okay, it's spinning, it's spinning. Okay, there we go. Hey, Lavendar, are you um, ready to go? Are you, can you I'm hear here, me? I'm ready. Excellent. Okay, Christy and Hi, Lavendar. Lavendar. Hi, Anastasia. Yeah. So, so go ahead, take it away. Okay, so Christy... I know that we just had a session recently, but also I, I want to share with the audience of your beautiful, beautiful energy of what you do on the planet. So I'm so glad that you were able to be our guest uh, on, on last-minute notice. So why don't you first tell us a little bit about who you are and give us a little history of how you grew up and, and the things that, are, that were called your wake-up calls. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I have had a memory uh, when I was around uh, 55 of having a um, boo-boo happen. Um, I actually cut my face in a little accident, and my dad had built a fort for my brother and I, and I cut my face on that fort. And obviously he kind of freaked out when that happened, and in my in my recollection that his freaking out scared me and I healed that boo-boo and he told me to never do that again so whether that was to have power over me or protect me or my path you know there's so many truths and everything but I essentially shut that ability off being the obedient child that I was and I shut it down so much that I really forgot that it was part of who I am and why I, I'm here. And when my children, I have two daughters, uh, when our children were in high school, I started kind of thinking about my path and what do I want to do for the rest of my life. And I really didn't have an answer for that other than I want to help people. And that's really part of what I've done my whole life, but in, in different ways that I'm doing now. And I was on a trip to see my stepmom in 2011, and I was driving down the highway with cars on either side of my car and a car behind me. And in the distance, there was a river, and I could see an eagle flying up the river and it ended up landing in the highway in my travel lane uh, a well a well away from me but enough that I knew I couldn't stop and I couldn't go to the left I couldn't go to the right so I said in my you know head to it please fly up I don't want to hit you and it started running toward my car to fly and I had a minivan at the time. It actually flew up the windshield of my car. So for a moment, all I saw was this eagle. 
And I believe that actually activated something in me or kind of provided some sort of wake-up call that ties me beyond this reality to to eagles because there have been other things that have happened that have been signified by eagles. In fact, today as I was getting ready for the show, I, I actually took a bath and I looked out the window and there was an eagle circling up ahead uh, or up, you know, in the air. Um, but kind of after that, I did start taking some energy classes. I had seen an ad for a Reiki class in the newspaper. I didn't really know what it was, but something told me I needed to do it, so I took it. And uh, other, I took other classes, but I didn't really do anything with it. And then in, um, I believe it was uh, 2012, like the next year, uh, toward the end of the year, I had a reading with a an intuitive, and he told me that I was going to go on to, you know, soon I was going to be doing miracles and teaching people, and I honestly had no concept of what that looked like, and I jokingly said, you know, am I going to know what to do before I have to show other people? And he just said, when the time is right, you'll know what to do, and that's pretty much what happened. I mean, actually, the next day, I was in the grocery store, and I had a, a just spirit told me to talk to this gentleman that was homeless. There was an emotional healing that happened with him. And then other things happened where I would be with people who had backaches, and I w something would say to me in my head, you can help him or her. And so I would, you know, politely say, I'm not a healer, but something's telling me I can help you. May I, you know, try to shift the energy in your back and their pain would go away. So fairly early in 2000, 2013, I started my healing ministry. Uh, and I've been doing that now uh, since 2013. Wow. So did you start having multidimensional experiences were you taken aboard ship or taken to other time zones or missing time? Tell us a little bit about anything that you experienced that way. Okay. Um, it was actually in 2011. I had gone to a spiritual gathering, and the leader was a, um, a man. He was a minister, and he had all of these Native American flutes. And so he said, I want to kind of play a song for everybody. And he says, I want you to set an intention, and then, you know, I'll play a song, and, you know, you can kind of send your intention on this song. And so there were probably eight or ten of us there, and no one went forward to do it. So I'm always that person who's not shy to go first. So I said, I'll go. And so I sat down, and... I basically, I think I just said, I want to know what I'm here to do. I want to know my purpose. I want to know why I'm here. And he put his hand, this was, I said this just in my head. I didn't tell anybody else. And so he put his hand out toward my heart and he put his hand over his flutes and he picked one up and he said, this is Raven's song. 
and he started to play the flute, and I closed my eyes. And as soon as I closed my eyes, I was an eagle. I could see myself flying, and I knew I was an eagle because I kind of, I had my eyes closed, but I looked to the right, and my arm was a wing, and I could see the feathers, and I was just flying over these trees. And I flew for a little while, and then the, the music started getting faster. And I looked in the distance, and I could see a native person, and uh, he was dancing around a fire. And as I got closer, I could see that he was wearing an eagle costume. And as soon as I could see his face, I knew that it was me. It was kind of like one of those experiences when you see people in dreams and you recognize their spirit, but they might not look exactly the same. And so as you can well imagine, I was really kind of blown away by that experience. I just kind of, when he was done, I said, thank you. And I just kind of left the circle and I went to go write notes about what had happened. And initially I thought that, again, this was part of my wake-up call. But since that time, I've gotten a deeper understanding of it, that um, that lifetime was almost... 180 degree different setup than the life I'm having now. Uh, so in that lifetime, obviously I was a man, and I had come in to this family or tribe with healing gifts, and my gifts were embraced, and I was made to be the medicine man for that tribe at a very young age. So it's, again, almost uh, 180 degrees from what I've experienced this time. And the other thing that I've come to realize is that although I'm very confident and self-assured in this lifetime, in that lifetime I wasn't. So at first I thought, oh, I've <laughs> this other me, this, me this, this healer in this other lifetime me, was actually helping me wake up. But then I started to see how I was helping him too because he was doing the dance of the eagle and he was calling the eagle and I was the one that came for him. Wow. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's a very interesting um, picture that I'm seeing. That that makes me want to ask you more about, did, is that when you started going into karmic healing and ancestral healing? Did that happen about the same time? That actually happened later, happened more in um, the 2000, end of 2012, 2013, when I actually started uh, doing my healing as a practice and connecting with people over the phone or, you know, seeing people in person. And I started understanding that sometimes when people are very sick with an illness, it's not because, you know, it's definitely not because they're bad or they're not worthy or any of those things that maybe we're led to believe, but they're the powerful one who has come to heal that. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So right. there's so many, um, I think even when Anastasia was talking about the fellow with the bubble wrap and how, you know, he didn't want to inject himself, but then this needle ended up being his muse. And this is so true of our lifetime that so many thing, times the things that we resist uh, are things that we actually have self-mastery over and we just kind of have to flip it on its head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we live in a, in a, in, in a place of polarity. So if we can flip our polarity, then that's, yeah, then it brings us a, a new perspective of who we are and how, and how we're going to function on the planet. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell, tell me more about your, your reboot work that you do. So early on in my practice, the, the name Perspective Reboot came to me because people were having such like life-changing attitudes or, you know, the way their body was feeling or their mental outlook. So that's, that's kind of what I call my healing process and the kind of empowerment and self-mastery work that I do. It's almost as if that person can let go of obsolete programming. Um, We kind of, temporarily hit the off switch and then we reboot the system. Uh, so it's not, you know, literal, but that's, that, it's kind of the analogy that came to me. So, do, so you find, that, do you find a lot of people, Christy, that are um, so tied into uh, family religions or teachings from others that it's hard for them to break free and and fi- and find out why they came to the planet are you finding a lot of that now I'm I don't know it seems that just in the last month that something is shifting that people are starting to understand that we haven't been told everything there is to know we haven't you know we've been living just a fraction of what we're here to express so I, I actually am finding it very refreshing the last few sessions I've had. Well, I, I find that a lot of people have been lied to from, from the time that they're born, uh, you know, in all different churches and yes. schools, and we've been trained to, to, to think a certain way, and then one day we go, wait a minute, this, is, this, isn't, this doesn't have my name on it. I don't know mm-hmm. how it ever, yeah. There's a, um, there's a phrase I use, or just actually it's just a word. If you take the word belief, or uh, believe even, in the middle of that is the word lie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So you have to really look at everything that you're believing and your belief systems to see which ones are really serving you and which and and our planet and humanity and which ones are actually self-sabotaging who you're here to be right yeah yeah self-sabotage i i deal with a lot of that with my clients people that have been self-sabotaging for years and all of a sudden they wake up and go wait a minute there's got to be another way to live my life 
and once they grab a hold of the, the new concepts of how to do it, I see people changing, you know, from one time that I'll talk to them and I'll talk to them maybe a year later and they're totally a different person. Sometimes I don't even recognize them. They're so different. Hmm. That's wonderful. So wh- where do you live? What state do you live in, Christy? I live in Maine. I live in southern Maine, and I'm about an hour and a half north of Boston and half an hour from Portsmouth and a half an hour from Portland, Maine. So do, but you, I work find, with, do you find in your communities that they're going more for sustainability with food and water? Are people really interested now in being self-sufficient up there? Well, we have been maybe ahead of the curve with recycling here for quite a few years, and we are blessed to have really good quality water. Uh, And there is a movement toward, as you say, more sustainability. That has to be done in some part with growing systems because we are a cold weather climate and our our growing season is very short. So I do personally have a couple friends that have those growing towers. Did you just spend some time in Arizona? Yes, I did. I went to uh, Phoenix for a week and Sedona for a week. How was it? Can you tell us anything about what happened to you in Sedona? Uh, Sedona is always a place that really makes my heart feel um, just at peace or at home. There's nothing like the the color of the rocks, which is almost like a rust, and the desert, which is sage, and the sky is just so blue and clear. Um I didn't get any real um, spiritual messages there this time other than having, you know, of course, the the wonderful pleasure of connecting with you for my reading while I was there. Um, But um, I did get to go to a place that's called Montezuma's Castle, which is a national... um, a national park, I guess you'd call it. it, doesn't really have anything to do with Montezuma uh, or the the Aztecs, but that's just kind of the name that it was given in uh, the last century. And uh, that was a, a, a very interesting place with cave dwellings. And uh, I always feel so drawn to uh, Native people energies. I just feel like a kindred ship when I'm in a space that's that has any kind of native people ancestry. Well, are there any any Native Americans up in Maine? Do you have any tribes up there? We do, not very close to where I live, but yes, there are there are quite a few tribes. The uh this area was uh historically the Abenaki tribe but I don't think there's really uh, um, much of a presence of that tribe anymore. Not as a, not as a, um, a presence here, I guess I would say. Okay. So do you, um, do you deal any 
with your work with children, or do you just mostly deal with more adults? Do you have? I I do uh, work with children, and in fact, I find that children are really easy to work with because a lot of times, if you think of, um, you know, a lot of what I do um, is emotional healing and trauma release and almost like the longer we've held on to something the more we start to own it and it becomes part of our identity but children don't have that possessiveness of their uh, traumas as much so many times you know I can almost basically just lay my hands on them and and the stuff will release that you know I had one boy say you know he sat he I was working on him and he sat bolt upright and I it almost scared me and I said are you okay and he said thank you so much for taking the black icky stuff out of me wow <laughs> wow good so, so I am you know I I am always thrilled to work with children and it's important for the parents, though, to also be in a good space because many times the children can pick up, you know, negativity from their environment. Yeah, true, true. So do you have a, a an office where people come or do you do most of your work by phone? I do do most of my work over the phone and that's not you know that's not so much by design that's just the way it seems to play out but i do have a space in my home in wells where i do see clients and uh i do one hour sessions whether they're by phone or or in person and on the phone ones i offer uh an option to to do a webcam if the person wants to see me while we're working together so let me ask you, um, do you have within your uh, your practice ways of maybe um, doing the long-distance healing? Uh, I know that in your chart that you had something called the, the Wounded Spiritual Warrior where you're really focused on helping people with past life war trauma. And uh, has that been coming up for you since we talked? Well, I guess I would say I do a lot of wounded child work. So that's that's how I guess that mostly plays out. I historically have not had many, uh, in this lifetime anyway, um, many veterans seek me out. Okay, because I remember that you had that, you know, when you have a mastership from another lifetime and it shows in your chart, which it shows in yours, I just felt like that you have such a natural ability to help people come through the post-traumatic stress of mm. whether, it's, whether it's past life memory or in this lifetime, that it has to do with strong negativity of warlike tendencies. Hmm. Yes, I I definitely do help people get out of that um that space of um pain, 
that we can kind of end up with after going through trauma or abuse or neglect or abandonment. Um, and I think for most of us that that patterning or that um, treatment can start in childhood. So, um, and also I, I kind of feel that the fact that I was a healer when I was a child, that part of myself comes through when I'm working with others and actually kind of holds the hand of the child that is within this other person. Um, so there's definitely, uh, there's definitely things that happen that we work on that are beyond this moment here, but also beyond the lifetime. Uh, sometimes when I'm working with people, uh, whether I'm on the phone or I'm actually, you know, um, have my hands on them physically, sometimes I almost feel us doing a tumble salt. And yeah. when that happens, that tells me that something is clearing from another, uh, another time-space dimension. Do you happen to remember anything that happened to you after your 49th birthday? Because that was when you got... 10,000 times stronger in your manifestation and your healing powers. Was that a big turning point for you when you were 49? Let's see. Um, I don't think things really started shaking up for me until 2010. So I would have been 52 at that point. So maybe something happened, but I was in resistance. I don't know. Okay. Because I, if, if I remember right, looking back at your chart, it looked like there was a big explosion of something that happened when you were 49. So I was just wondering yeah. if you could remember yeah. anything that happened. No, I don't. So how are you working with um, your family members? Do they support what you're doing at this My, time? or? My not. family that I have created as an adult, my husband of 40 years and our two daughters are supportive of me. Uh, my birth family, not so much. Yeah, I find that I, a lot. I find a yeah. lot of star people that are rising sometimes have to walk away from their from their earth family because mm. they don't they don't have the understanding of of the. Uh, evolutionary movement that's happening, mm -hmm. and, some, and sometimes it's it's painful. Then sometimes, uh, you know, they just walk away and everything's fine. So you never know how you're going to have to to be with family members. That's for sure. Right. Is there any any experience that you've had uh, besides the the story about the eagle that you want to share with our audience? Something that would be meaningful. Uh, talking about your experiences. Like have you been taken aboard a ship or do you have flashing lights in your room or mm. or, or, or receiving messages from a tree or anything like that? Okay. Well, I haven't, I don't have any conscious knowledge of being taken on a ship. Uh, when I was a child, though, at night I would look out my window and I can remember hoping that they wouldn't come to take me because I wasn't ready to leave yet. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> hmm. And um, I have had experiences in my dream dream time when I know I go to other dimensions uh, because it's it's very vivid. It's a very vivid experience. Um, I had one like within a um, probably six months of my cat transitioning. Um, I actually was sleeping and, um, well, I was, I had gone into another room to sleep because I couldn't sleep in my bed and I laid on the bed and the cat who's living came and laid with me. And just as I was drifting off to sleep, I thought I felt the other cat jump on the bed and I looked and it was this cat who had transitioned. So I was almost in this like waking dream and I started petting him I could feel him I mean the tactile and the emotions uh, were so real and I could kind of um, see him exactly as I remembered him except his fur was like a little sparkly and um you know, I, I had this experience, I don't know how long it was, but I ended up waking up very confused. Um, similar thing happened after my dad transitioned. Um, I had this dream that he came back and he was on quote-unquote furlough to visit us. Um, it didn't look like him. He was confused, um, almost you know, like I didn't recognize him, but I was so grateful for that time. And then when I woke up, I was confused again. Like, wait a minute, is he, is he alive or is he dead? So I know that love never dies. That's, that's typically what I share with people who have lost someone is just know that the physical earth body, yes, that has a single use, but the soul that's in it, that's, that's multi-use. Right. Um, Right. Well, I certainly um, admire you for taking on the the task that you've taken to help people to go forward with their lives. And at this time, I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle, who has the switchboard. So thank you so much, Christy, for uh, being able to come on at the last minute. I know that we had a cancellation with our guest, and and you rose to the occasion, and I do appreciate that you did that. Thank you so much. So oh, back to my honor. So back to you, Ariel. Okay. Wow. That the, I w- I could just see as you were speaking, I could almost see it happening. So um, that's really wonderful that you had those experiences, especially you know with the eagle, and that's mm. yeah. I mean that's the highest spirit animal that there is, or or energy. Uh, in in Native American uh, traditions and philosophy, but and actually we're talking about the the tribes. Um, I remembered um, just a day or two ago, I read about the first Native American woman who is now Secretary of the Interior. Did mm. you hear about that? No, Lavendar, did you hear about that? Yes, she was confirmed uh, yeah. yesterday, the first Native American to oversee all the Indian land now. I, I think it's a wonderful thing that's happened. Yes, definitely. 
Yeah. I mean, when I saw her picture, you know, standing on stage, the you know, the Native American grandma energy, the elder, mm-hmm. the elder energy, I, I was like, wow, the tide is turning. And, uh, you know, protecting Native lands, protecting, you know, the environment even, um, mm-hmm. and helping people to reconnect um, that I was just so so thrilled to see that because you know the tide is turning as people um, like from what Anastasia started off with you know people are going through a wake up and mm. do you sense that kind of you know on a on a collective level that there are more lights coming on? Well, there are certainly those who are are fight you know fighting their awakening but yes there are people that are awakening and we have to realize that just as we are you know these spiritual beings having a human experience earth you know earth has a name uh, many cultures call her different things common name here is gaia you know this is a, an eternal being having a planetary experience her body is a planet so we have to respect her and we, you know, she nurtures us, she hosts us. So what do we do for her? You know, what, how can we, how can we support her as she so unconditionally supports us? And the native peoples understood that. They didn't own land. They, they stewarded the land. Right. Right. Well, I think that you know the tide is turning and not everyone's on board because there are those who are going to cling to this dimension um mm-hmm. but there can be another dimension right here on the planet that's much better and i think a lot of people are making that that leap they're crossing that bridge and it's really by you know coming from the heart and and not you know relinquishing greed and judgment and you know, um, polarity, duality, all that um, is a process that, I mean, I just see little inklings of, mm. you know, okay, you know, there's another uh, another tooth in the cog that's turned, and uh, um, it's, it's very encouraging, even amidst, you know, um, all of the things that are going on, and, and certainly, you know, Mother Earth is, is sick. From our interference, you know, and all the the plastics and chemicals and and things that we do, uh, but that is also there is propping up. And thanks to Anastasia, we're hearing about all these, um, you know, little pockets here and there mm-hmm. where people are are making that that leap and that change because um, Mother Earth will go on. And I remember hearing something. Um, uh, a thing that Julia Roberts read, um, there's a video on YouTube, and the thing that really stuck with me is she was speaking like the voice of Mother Nature, and she said, mm. um, I don't need you. You need me, and I will be here, whether you are or not. And it was, like, really sobering, um, but we have to, we have to you know, take care of the planet so it can take care of us. But I'm get off that tangent here. Uh, one of the things that um, I was reading in your material that kind of was like, oh, I got to find out what that means. Um, <laughs> how 
we can heal our present and step more fully into our mission by stepping backward. Would you explain what that what you mean by that? Sure. So many people feel stuck and they want to move forward and they know they have a bigger purpose. But until they heal the past, until they make peace and find that inner peace within them uh, and find the, I don't want to say lost, but that's the word that's coming to me, the lost or fragmented parts of themselves, until they can really more fully reintegrate themselves, they're not going to have the information they need to move forward toward their mission. So sometimes rather than just like forgetting the past, we have to look at the past. We have to to. figure out how the past is holding us back from moving forward. Okay. So I just, I just had this, this image of a person um, carrying a big sack on their back, kind of like Santa Claus would, Mm -hmm. but the sack is all full of, you know, lies, programming, trauma, you know, all the emotional kind of baggage, and you can't get through the door as long as you got that big sack <laughs> on your back. So you have to go back, you have to step back, open up that sack, and start pitching things out so you can fit through the door. Is that a good analogy? That is a great analogy because, in fact, I had a session with a, a woman today, and, and I usually do some of the time with them laying on their back and then some of the time with them laying on their stomach. And sometimes there's more of a release from the back because it is almost as if we wear this emotional stuff as a backpack uh, and it can weigh us down. So absolutely. And yeah, I just want to uh, I just want to mention one other thing about this, and that's that um, sometimes we think that we have healed something and we want it to be over with. Um, there's an attitude of I already dealt with that, I already did that, but there's um, there's growth. That wound that you have, that's, um, there's a quote by Rumi, who was a philosopher, that the wound is the place that the light enters you. So just as the onion is used as this analogy of we can kind of peel back the layers, there's layers to healing too. There's more, um, there's more of yourself that you'll find if you dive right into that. It, it, there's more freedom the deeper you go into that wound. And part of that is the fact that we have lived multiple lives. So if we can't forgive this person that's done X, Y, Z to us, there's a lifetime that we did X, Y, Z to somebody else. So ultimately we're not forgiving ourselves when we don't forgive that other person. Oh, there's so much power in what you just said because, yeah, I mean, people that think, oh, I already pulled the weeds out of the garden. It's like, yeah, but you didn't pull the roots out. You just pulled the top off, and you think it looks fine now. But if you just turn your back for a while, before you know it, they're back, you know, affecting the the beauty of your garden, the you know, the, the vegetables you're growing or whatever. 
So And the yeah, other that's... thing the other thing too is that when you finally like or when you pull that root out there might be like a nugget of gold that that root grew around that if you just said I already did that like there's there is like um symbolically there's a nugget of gold in there so when things come back up don't resist them it's your evolution that's bringing this to your attention to go deeper into it because it could be your doorway to what comes next yeah absolutely it's almost like like um a ball and chain if you can't cut that chain and and transmute the energy, um, you're still going to be dragging it around, and it throws you off balance. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, and that has it has physical manifestation um, of all different kinds. You yeah. know, so when people have a, a physical problem, I think a lot of times there is um, a non-physical energy. That is, you know, creating that. I mean, well, that's it's not... that's how this world works. That's how this reality works. If you think about anything, I mean, you probably have a pen on your desk. Um, if you look at that pen, somebody had an idea about that pen, and they maybe drew a picture of it, and then they found somebody that could make it. And now it's a product. The same thing happens in our bodies. Um, Disease and illness, it's not random. There's something that uh, the body is actually trying to tell us through the disease. And one of the pioneers in this whole concept was Louise Hay. She was one of, I don't know if she was the first or she was, she wrote a book called, um, I have it right here. Let me just get the title. Um, Heal Your Body. And um, I have found, you know, as I've been doing this for eight years now, I know when somebody sends me a form, you know, what might be at the root of what's bothering them physically. And it's usually some sort of emotional trauma. And when when we haven't been able to process that trauma, we just kind of stuff it. We stuff it down. And when we stuff an emotion, it actually prevents our, our life force, our energy from flowing smoothly. And it almost acts as like a, um, a block that will take our body's incredible self-healing system offline. Um, so, yes, there is usually a non-physical reason for physical problems. So we have to, rather than suppress the symptoms that we're having, we have to try to find out what are those symptoms trying to communicate to me from what I've been telling my body. My, I've been unconsciously maybe telling my body a message. My body has responded Um, how do I listen to my body? And once I know the messages I've been sending my body, I can change that. Yeah, and a lot can change just with, you know, the realization and acceptance, okay, 
this is because of this, and I can do something about it. Um, you know, rather than I think most a lot of people, um, you know, the, the ones that are like kind of third dimensionally anchored, it's like, well, you mm-hmm. just go get a pill. You just go mm-hmm. get a pill. The pill well, treats that's the, the symptoms. Quick fix. Yeah, yeah, and you think you you think you've you know you're past that, but then it's just a matter of time before it comes back again. Um, and and it, do you find that it jumps from lifetime to lifetime? Is something that you buried or stuffed or submerged and never dealt with, and now and that was your last life, and then this life maybe something triggers that, and you start going down that same road again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, can uh, that sometimes- carry on lifetime? Yeah, sometimes like traumatic deaths can carry forward. So um, to give you an example of that, I have one client who has a kind of chronic um, neck pain and um, migraines, and we uh, we have both seen in her sessions that she was actually beheaded in in a lifetime so when we work we don't just work on her we work on the fear uh the fear issue in that in that lifetime she was in a leadership position and and her leadership was overthrown so there's a fear in this lifetime now to assert herself because in this other lifetime that she has you know cellular memories from or you know cosmic memories of um she doesn't want that to happen again. So yes, there is there is that. Um, I've actually, you know, sometimes I get visuals. Sometimes a client gets visuals. I actually had a, a, a friend who has had chronic breathing problems, and one time I was with her, and I said, you know, just let me work on this. And I just kind of moved the energy around her chest, and I felt as if there was like a handle of a a sword there and I so I just pulled it and um I was just getting ready to say did you feel that and her eyes like flew open and she says oh my gosh what did you just do I said I pulled a knife out of your chest (laughs) and uh and her breathing has it's still not perfect I don't want to say it's perfect but it's so much better so there are these um, past life things that do affect our present life. So that's that's kind of a, a wonderful example of kind of healing be, beyond space and time. But, um, you know, the other part is just that um, a lot of things that have happened to us, they only exist now in our minds. So I have read, you know, nu- numerous quantum physicists who say time doesn't exist in a linear form the way that we think it does. So I encourage my clients when we're working together to imagine they can go back and they can give themselves empowerment and give themselves uh, knowledge and uh, information that they have in this moment that they didn't have then or self-love in that moment when they were feeling unloved. And that's a very powerful part of reconnecting ourself within ourself. And have you ever um, had, have you worked with someone who had some kind of a latent um, talent, skill, ability uh, that was able to surface 
after after the clearing was done. I'm just kind of scanning my memory here. Um, nothing's coming to mind with you, with that particular phrasing. Um, I yeah, know I just, that I, people have had like more. Um, there's definitely been work with the third eye. So a lot of times people um, are resisting their gift. So it's not that it, well, I guess that would be latent. Um, it, yes, so that a lot of third eye work can open um, open that. Also, you know, there are some people who are meant to speak and they're, their um their throat chakra is closed so um that can be quite you know that can be quite life changing yeah and that that's exactly what i was what i was asking um uh, because someone has a a gift a talent a skill a mastery that is being blocked by something that doesn't belong there in the first place or that was never dealt with um mm. properly so once you once you remove the blockage, you know, then the river's flowing again, and that, I mean that could be, um, I know, uh, or just <laughs> I just thought about um, about you, Kathy, uh, our our producer. After her first time, she came to the quest. She became she was just an artist, and that was all something she'd never done before, and mm-hmm. she's done fabulous fabulous artwork. So there was you know something that was uplifted or cleared or whatever and allowed that um, to re-express itself. I'd love to share a personal note on that, um, that line. Um, and that kind of goes into um, how can our challenges become opportunities, uh, which I kind of um, heard you mention in the, in the intro. Um, so, you know, some of our some of the things in our lives are very ironic. Um, again, the the um, fellow who didn't want the needle, and then he ended up using the needle um, for artwork. So for me, most of my lifetime, I have not liked my voice. I've been self conscious of it, but I have learned since I've been doing this healing work that it's part of my gift. The vibration, the countenance, the um, energy from my voice is part of what helps people to heal. So sometimes we, again, we tend to self-sabotage some of the things that we should be embracing. So um, it's really important to look at our beliefs because we have to find the lies. Right. Right. So uh, this has just been so fascinating. Um, I think there was there was one more thing I wanted to ask you about, and that is your podcast. So I do have a um, a podcast right now. I have uh, thirteen episodes, and I kind of did those. Um, it almost seemed like a download to me of you know these are the shows I'm going to have. This is the order. So I do kind of encourage people to start with number one and listen to the series. And it's um, information that was 
helpful for me as I went through my own deprogramming and getting out of the boxes that were keeping me smaller and allowing me to expand my mind um, and really get out of my mind and into my heart uh, to be able to do the work that I'm doing now. Um, so it, it's actually called Perspective Reboot with Christy Borst, and it is available on uh, the major podcast outlets such as iTunes and iHeartRadio and um, others, as well as accessible through my website, which I'll mention again is healingresonance4.me. Right, and that's the numeral four? Yes, ma'am. Yes. So, well, this has just been delightful, and I, too, am very grateful that you were able to step in here and um, bring a, a really uplifting message. And there are so many things that we can do that we've been programmed that, no, you can't do that. Well, you know, what makes Absolutely. you think you can do that? You know, it's like, well, <laughs> uh, I... I remember a line um, from um, Esther and Esther Hicks and Abraham uh, about manifestation, and she says, "When you're working on something, don't don't talk about it. Keep the energy really close and sacred, and and then when you do accomplish that thing, everyone will be so surprised. And then, oh, <laughs> how did you manage to do that? And so, and and this was the line from Esther. It said she or Abraham. It said. I was able to do this because I did not tell you about it. Because people think, oh, you can't, you can't do that. Well, you're crazy. You know, that's never going to work. So, you know, when you're working on something that's really um, important and, and you, know, you know, mission kind of stuff, just don't tell people about it until you've got it um, really fully rooted <laughs> because – all, you know, when you have just this, this little embryo of a concept, if you start talking about it too soon, you've leaked out the energy and you've invited all these people to tell you why you can't do that. Hmm. <laughs> you know? so do we that have time was, for me to share one other thing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's not a 30-minute thing. Of a, <laughs> it's kind of a, a tip almost, and it came earlier okay. and it's just come back. So one of the things we can do um, is watch what we're looking at because, or what we're looking for because we see what we're looking for. So the, you know, the news that Anastasia shared, that's a wonderful way to look for things that uplift, to look for things that are in that new earth rather than looking at the news change, which maybe tend to show us the negative things. So watch what you're watching so that you know that you're giving energy to what it is you want to create, not what you don't want to create. Right. Yeah, because you can you can easily create what you don't want just by um, allowing everything to play. Yes. You know, it's like, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go talk to those people. You know, you've got to keep that, that you know, sacred space. And, um, Absolutely. You know, to while you're in the creation manifestation, you know, and then you know once once it goes 55 critical mass and there's no stopping it, then you can tell people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, because, I mean, there's always going to be somebody that that tells you, you know, oh, you can't do that. That's going to fail. Hmm. So, you know, it's like, all right, thanks for telling me that because now I'm never going to tell you anything that I care about because they're just going to shoot it down. And then there are other people um, that, that don't know what you're working on, but they support you anyway. So those are the those are the people that that I we want to kind of gravitate towards. I think there's a tendency of loved ones sometimes wanting to protect us from disappointment, and they express those concerns in an attempt to keep us from getting hurt, and ultimately they end up hurting us by trying to boast and not share our dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every I'm sure everyone has a relative like that. It might not be mother or father, but, yeah, I mean, as soon as you said that, I had an aunt come to mind. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, she would be the one to tell me, you know, who do you think you are? And instantly put you down. Um, so just be careful when you are manifesting, and and don't. If someone does say something, you have to um, kind of observe without mm. absorbing. Right. Just see that it's coming from a place of fear, and and just you know listen to things that come from love. That's really the bottom line. Yep, I agree. So if people want to contact you, they can go on to your website, healingresonance4.me. And um, I'm I'm assuming that there's links to your podcast as well. Yes, Uh, there's links to the podcast and my blog and booking and all good stuff. Okay, great. And and you also um, have your fractal artwork, which is on your website that... um, you know, is for um, activation, um, stimulation of certain energies. So it's it's kind of a deliberate type of artwork. Yes, it's all um, channeled in love energy. So it's it's I call it energy and form healing artwork. So if you want to have um, something to do a visual meditation with, or if you want to have really yummy you know, energy vibes in your, in your space, then that's, um, that's what it, that's what it's for. I have a a great um, chakra balancing piece too. That is, um, I think one of the the more powerful pieces. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for being with us and bringing all that you do bring to the table, sharing it with others and, and helping, um, one by one, to lift people up and help them to, uh, you know, in their own evolution. It's definitely my joy. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you are so welcome, Christy, and thanks again for for being with us tonight. And um, for for our listeners, we will be back uh, two weeks from tonight. And until then... Make sure that you hold gratitude in your heart and give away compassion. Releasing judgment, this is the door to the fifth dimension. So until next time, everyone, 
You take care. Good night. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 